My Hello. God. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Immediately fucked that up. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Outliers, your favorite movie podcast that took a ridiculously long hiatus. I am joined today by three special guests from one of my favorite podcasts, Failure to Launch. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Quinn. I'm Chris. And I'm the other Chris. Oh, come uh, on. Give, give him a bit. You normally do the, the other Chris bit. I, I didn't prepare this. <laughs> are you telling uh, me you always prepare to yes. tell us which iteration yeah, is, of Chris this you is are how correct? we delegate our tasks uh, some of us do the prep some of us do the videos and some of us spend I don't know apparently hours deciding what kind of Chris they are that day I mean <laughs> that's I will uh, twice now my co-host has dressed up for an audio podcast <laughs> so Gosh, that would have oh, been a good idea damn it <laughs> So why don't you guys tell us about your podcast real quick before we jump into the bones of, or the meat of this movie. Ooh, this could be fun. I'm tempted to go ahead with the explanation, but I think what would be more interesting is throwing it to one of my unprepared co-hosts uh, <laughs> to see how they handle it for once. Yeah, see how they <laughs> handle it for once. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we do we do a show and it's about space stuff, but not the space stuff you'd know about like the stuff that's not uh glamorized it's, if it's you not will. it's not the glamour and glory it's like the the poop and the, the dead sometimes dead. literally depending on the episode yes, the important but skipped upon parts of history you'd say yeah the, the stuff where between stuff... and lines led by donkeys i notice a lot of textbooks they leave out a lot of poop yeah and it's the kind of stuff where like if you want uh the way i think of it is it's the kind of stuff where if you went to space and you didn't know about it you would learn about it very quickly like and unfortunately semi- within like six hours sometimes in a semi-traumatic manner yes yeah, yeah they um, really they really really uh undersell in in the textbooks how much shit hotboxing there is in the space race <laughs> Uh, also, I'm, on a less uh, fecal-related note, also the amount of used car salesman energy that occurs in the uh, early parts of space travel and rocketry, uh, and, and we are rapidly grabbing your like grabbing the wheel of your podcast and turning it into our podcast. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, there, I I wish there was a Gemini Seven movie, you know, like a Right Stuff style, except it's just two dudes. You could do one of those movies where you have like one tiny set. It's literally just the inside of like a modified VW Beetle and you just let them stew in it. I mean, the idea I, I you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I just graduated from film school and the idea I most want to pitch as a TV series is a comedy about the build up to Sputnik. Okay. Focus, just focused on some random ass dudes working one of those awful Kazakhstan uh space spaces or uh, launch pads they set up oh that would be so much fun um oh, you've, you've got the drama right there because all those dudes already wanted to kill each other pre-kazakhstan yeah. then you it's, throw in the two of those things they could either go the direction of death or stalin or the lighthouse and i'm not sure which one i'd hope it would turn out more like <clears throat> um oh, so the movie, <laughs> the movie we're watching today is 1999's October Sky, uh, directed by Joe Joe Johnston, um, and it was written by uh, actually written with Homer Hickman. I'm assuming he probably did assisting part and Louis Colick. Um, of course, this starred 
uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Laura Durham, Chris Cooper, uh, Chris Owen, <clears throat> William Lee Scott, Chad uh, Lindbergh, uh, and Natalie Cannery as a few of the main stars of this movie. Uh, this movie, I think, is uh, somewhat of a hidden gem. Uh, but before we go any further, what are some first thoughts you guys have on this movie? Uh, this this was not the first time I've seen this movie. This is probably the sixth, I would say. My dad loves this movie to death. It was. Uh, I can say that it was my first time watching it, and I I liked it. I thought there it wasn't necessarily a comedy, but I think uh, whenever we went through it, we found some unintentionally hilarious moments. I think that it also uh, did a very good job with um, kind of hitting some of the notes of that early period properly like all the sputnik panic and whatnot i have one massive complaint but i'll save that for once we're into it okay uh yeah yeah this i i mean my first impression is i like i said this movie's a hidden gem um it's you know of all the space movies talked about it's you get why people don't talk about this because this one's not really a space movie as much of it is of a biography of a guy who many people probably never heard of right um Mm -hmm. who still left quite the impact on the world um so just to i guess i'm just going to start running down a kind of a summary of the story uh so we open on the it it, they pretty much open not they don't show it but the reaction to the launch of sputnik Um, the, the sputnik panic the newspapers going wild yeah people freaking out that's one of our favorite moments. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the I, day I, I, the American exceptionalism was bruised slightly. And they frame it in a great way, too, where it's like people are carrying on, but they're fixated on it. Like the miners are literally listening to it on the radio as they're going down into the depths of the Virginia coal mines. Um, yeah. And, it is- you know, it, it's like, again, this is a true story, and it's such perfect contrast of like, the depths of the coal mine and the aspirations of space, like this kind of this big aspiration to do things beyond our own earth. And then this town's reality, which is literally digging further and further into it. It's such from a storytelling point of view, great setup. And, and I, I think the movie, the movie touches on it briefly, but doesn't really like dwell on it a whole month and doesn't, but doesn't really dwell on it a whole bunch, but like the setting of this town, correct me if I'm wrong, Colwood is like full on a factory town. So this is like yeah, everything like people is people earning scrip and shit. Yeah, everything's owned by the company. Um, mm-hmm. Coldwood is a I should everything like Coldwood is a real place, and uh, pretty much everything they state happened to it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's completely abandoned today. Um, its sole purpose was lost. So yeah, I'm um, looking at it on Wikipedia now, and it seems like there is still some like people live in there i think yeah. uh, it's it stopped being a full-on well maybe it is still a coal mine but i i you know i wonder if there is any sort of like i know sometimes they go to small towns and they'll go like oh they have a once a year festival uh october sky festival in honor of the accomplishments of, Ro- of the rocket boys right so that is but yeah there's um it's a really good framing device to just showing how obsessed the world quickly became with space, like the moment the Soviet Union got a rocket there. Um, you know, even to the point our main character is initially really obsessed with rockets. He's 
Uh, he's obsessed with what every other, I guess, 16, 15 year old is his age, which is girls. Yeah. Um, and impressing his father. And yeah. Trying to join a football team and, uh, you know, getting, it, wrecked. getting stomped, getting flat. his shit fucking knocked out. Yeah. I, like, just, just getting mixed by a lineman that's like 30 pounds plus his weight. Yeah. Yeah. Does the movie establish whether his brother, his Chad, awesome, cool brother, is older than him or younger than him? I think older than him. Okay, because I, I think yeah, that, that would make more. That sense. was that was the vibe that I got too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like the difference is probably like one of those by a year things. Yeah, um, or like easily. Whenever I was looking at it, I, I was easily thinking like, all right, so the kid, the brother is older, but the actor is possibly younger than Jake Gyllenhaal. It, that is a like possibility. Um, you know. I, you know, you think I would have looked into that as the host of this podcast more, but you know, I mean, that, that's the reality of teenage movies is like some of them are actually their age and some of the actors are like, I don't know, 32. So I don't know if you guys know anything about filming with minors, especially in the US, but uh, you actually can't use them for the full work day. Oh, okay. So I, I, I didn't know that. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like you could work an actor like eight hours. I think you can only, do, with a minor, you can only work like six hours. Or no, I think it's eight. Huh. Didn't know that. And like you can't own too in that regard. Um, But yeah, so they have this reaction and it's through really the, in this uh, science class that uh we begin to see oh i no maybe it was just i him. uh i think he's the one who died oh this is not getting cut we this is now a failure to launch podcast the host has been uh cooed and removed everybody please stay calm uh your regularly scheduled um your regular your regularly scheduled outliers movie reviews will be back in the meantime guys have you ever heard of something called Apollo One? Not directly, yeah. but I. Well, yeah, not not directly, but you know, we're gonna poison this episode. <laughs> we're gonna poison this episode of someone else's podcast with just the worst topic I could think of. No, no, no! I just looked at this. Is the one I think that? Oh no! <laughs> okay, thanks. so is thanks. So uh, McLean, McLean is saying that. Uh, like Zoom suddenly picked a weird moment to uh, update on him. Do we want to tell me what happened? <laughs> McLean is saying that he doesn't mind us poisoning his podcast because he's already talked about the nostalgia critic. So like us talking about basically the space version of Nan King would not be worse. I don't That's know like a, of... a string of words I never thought I'd hear in my life. <laughs> uh, McLean, please cut all of this. Not because it's bad, because this is proprietary FTL content. Our our lawyers will be talking to your lawyers. Guys, I'm going to talk to Matt. He's our lawyer now. My God. Look who's back. I am so sorry. You know, this is part of a longstanding tradition I have of technical errors on (laughs) on episodes with guests. Um, So before my my own Zoom rejected me off here, uh, where did I... Um, um, I believe I was just said talking about they were in class. At least yes. when I dropped off, that's where it, it so might be were... good to go back a little bit because, like the the internet problems were ramping up over the course of like thirty seconds. Okay, so, like, trying to think of where. So we, uh, I think we just finished talking about the fo- 
the age differences and i was explaining oh the yeah yes. of also uh with my quick aside my yes. uh my vendetta against zoom has only grown <laughs> uh you know i don't blame you this is oh not why the reason we record with zoom is more of a skill issue than a preference uh, okay so, so the movie the movie kind of the movie has a very much a slow burn approach. They really do take us through the life, like to the point where it's like Sputnik happens, they move on. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's this kid's first day and he kind of quickly resigns himself to digging coal after uh, his failure of football. But uh, of course, everybody's out to see Sputnik passing by. Then this is where we kind of have that moment. Every movie has it, like the moment a character set on his journey for him, it's watching Sputnik streak across the sky as it makes the beep, beep, beep noise. Was that actually a code for anything or did it just make a noise at random intervals? So fun story. Oh, um, God, did the loads of people thought it was code. People thought it was going to like activate sleeper cells and whatnot. Um, it, it wasn't. It just beeped. Um <laughs> And later, later satellites, yeah. the Soviets, the Soviets kind of learns their lesson because they, they realize whenever they launch it, oh, the Americans think this is a spy satellite. So every satellite after that, they played more and more wild things over the radios to kind of fuck with America, but also to convince people like, no, this is not a spy satellite. So one of them just like read off a soup recipe. <laughs> but yeah, to, to, to loop back around to answer your question, no, it wasn't a code. Because <laughs> uh, uh, that, was, that was a bag of, uh, not bag of worth, but that was a question me and my dad both asked because I was like, pretty sure it wasn't anything. But uh, so I, I don't know if this actually happened, if like whole towns were gathered to watch it pass by or if it was visible enough. I mean, imagine the amount of light pollution out that back then was enough that you could probably see it pretty well, but yeah. it's still a good moment of, you know, rooting the ideas that this kid wants to build as many rockets as possible. This then, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you, you were mentioning like the Sputnik watch parties. Um, one of the things I really liked about this movie was that it made a bunch of references to like, actually accurate things of that time like sputnik watch parties were definitely a thing i think it's something like i can't remember the exact number but a huge portion of americans would eventually claim to have seen sputnik as it was flying around because it was just a thing where towns would just turn out at the right time um the soviets made sure to broadcast all around the world like hey this is where our satellite's gonna be you want to go out and watch it here's how you do it it's like a, another better element of propaganda for them yeah yeah also uh, um also quick ahead. correct me if i'm wrong but the uh that that the shiny light in the sky irl wasn't that just the third stage with retro reflectors on it i think something? so yeah because the actual satellite was pretty tiny but it was followed by the the main booster um but, but one thing you were mentioning fact. you were mentioning like the start of the hero's journey um and him watching sputnik but it was also that, um, if I'm remembering right, it was also his brother getting a load of attention. And, oh, yeah. Like, cause he's, because he's going off to college. Everybody's, everybody's so proud of him. And then uh, Homer just like at the tables, just like, yeah, well, I'm going to make a rocket. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is, you know, that is the most ultimate, like, uh, I need, I need the, I need this attention. I need to feel good. <laughs> I'm, fucking, I'm building rockets. 
Like yeah. that, you, you do love something with a, a bit of pettiness behind it. Um, I also forgot to mention, you know, they also quickly establish his father, somewhat of an important figure amongst all the coal miners, uh, mostly for his heroics and being the kind of, I, I guess, foreman for the mine or boss. Um, Almost the same thing at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. And we're quickly introduced to like two things. The first off, he is like incredibly brave. He He saves a man's life almost as soon as we meet him yeah and and everybody's like yeah homer's there and he says like oh that's my dad and then he immediately fires that worker and puts him out of a job and homer's like oh that's my dad yeah there's a there's a lot of that in the like they they did his father i think well of not making him like either a complete asshole or like a great guy but just kind of a dude and that uh, very much a man of his time yeah, if that makes and, sense. you know that actor, you know, my mom pointed out plays the asshole dad in every movie. Um, you yeah, know, I Chris thought Co- he looked familiar. Chris Cooper, um, yeah, he he kind of and like he kind of does just play that role a lot. Um, because I'm pretty he's the if you've seen the movie American Beauty, he's the uh, he's the dad that shoots uh, Kevin Spacey at the end of that movie, and I also don't care if I spoiled that movie for anyone because. <laughs> Not that good of a movie. I've saved you. I haven't time. seen. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah, I was curious for a people. second, and now I now I no longer need to watch that movie. <laughs> Let's face it: if you've made it this far throughout life and you haven't watched it, it's one of those movies you probably weren't gonna watch because it, like I said, it's one of the most overrated, full of itself movies of all time, and I will stand by that. Um, that was like the philosophy of my entire uh, film school career. Uh, was I need to be do everything to avoid being this movie? Yeah, and, and like being a film student, people think it means you've watched all the movies. No, it actually means you know how to avoid watching the bad ones. Everybody else yeah, just has to blunder I, through I, that I, blindly. Spoil the ends of them so no one else can watch them. <laughs> it's um, it's a sacrifice, really. Yeah, he. Uh, I also, I also think, I forget if it's this early on, but someone says, as far as I'm concerned, the Russians can have a space. Uh, you know, we got yeah. rock and roll. We already got enough problems on this rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like... Um, uh, um, which I, you know, I thought was probably the mindset a lot of a good at least a fair reasonable amount of people probably had towards this is like why waste our time and space to a degree i feel like a good amount of people still have that outlook today yeah um mm-hmm. but uh you know i'm glad they were kind of establishing the many mindsets towards uh towards the space race um it's also uniquely in the fact that like the motive wasn't we need to beat the soviets it's just this kid who really wants to do something besides besides catch black yeah um, yeah <laughs> that was one of my favorite like uh bits of the movie is like uh we have uh a main character who is a child in america who wants to follow his dreams and escape the uh small you know, town the the the, the work life cycle of living in a small town in rural america you know like my favorite scene of the movie is when he is in the mine elevator looking up through the grating of the cage to see Sputnik flying overhead. 
like you couldn't have made a more iconic scene for this like type of thematic because yeah like it's just you know a kid whose dreams are locked away from him by an iron cage as he descends into the orphan crushing machine you know like yeah yeah you know it's like okay here we're sending you to the mine that's meant to kill you another kid's head and father had his head taken off down here oh, so yeah. uh get ready luck. for black long as well um yeah so their first rocket attempt let's talk about his very first that i believe it's just a model plane packed with gunpowder yeah and a soda can he's basically made a he's made a yeah. pipe bomb Stephen. uh he made an ied yeah uh yeah, you know, so, you know, blows the fence. Over you, yeah. bomber, Dickman. Um, yeah, and I, I like to mention that they had a, the company. It was the company contractor then, because the, everything was owned by the co- the coal mining company right. back then. And the mom and makes the point she had. To, yeah, and the mom makes the point yeah. she had to wait like three months for this dude to come out and fix a fence. So it's going to be another six for him to come around again. Oh. Uh, gonna have to redo the whole thing but a scene later on i address is like uh i think it was someone else had asked me why in the why did they uh why was what was the big deal about getting the phone calls right away when after their dad went to the hospital later on in the movie i was pointing out oh that's probably the company calling to like tell them if they didn't pay their bills or whatever they were gonna yeah. get evicted yeah um feed someone's mining companies were basically the war or, or still are i i don't know about the modern mining industry but i'm assuming it's not much better um if you will uh pardon my language they are still rat bastards yeah uh i i don't make i'm not i'm never gonna make any money from the coal mining industry it's not like they're <laughs> disney or anything no, they're not future employer of mine we can talk shit on them all they want uh i am gonna ask you to cut some of other chris's comments our advertisers might not enjoy it um big coal <laughs> is actually a huge portion of ftl's uh <laughs> fan base and you, you did uh, mention I, I, I have to cut all jokes about uh, coal mining, seal clubbing, and uh, <laughs> recreational. And, black uh, those are no bueno. Uh, hunting, we hope you understand. And hunting pants. Those are all your sponsors. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a weird request, but I'll, I'll make it work. Um, so yeah, I like uh, the setup. There's something so incredibly 2000s, but also at the same time making sense of the time of the nerdy weird kid it being a huge deal he has to go talk to this kid oh my god so oh, that do, do you mind if i grab the reins for a second yeah just go ahead because this is because i mentioned before that i had one huge complaint and that is that this movie attacked me personally um <laughs> the, insuffer- the insufferable dipshit nerd kid who loves rocket science is quentin or quinn and, oh, no. and and because okay so so to kind of lay it out because homer uh they they have blown up their rocket they have blown up the fence they don't know what they're doing they need to recruit someone who does and they're sitting in the calf and they look across and there's quentin reading a like 500 page textbook at lunch he's like all right i need to drill that kid for knowledge so he goes over starts talking Amazing. to him a pin like you could hear a pin drop everybody has stopped and staring at him and then homer sits to down. The he sits down and the entire cafeteria literally just starts screaming <laughs> like it is the biggest <laughs> there's like thing. literally yes do you want to hear how kindly the wikipedia plot summary describes this 
Oh, teams up with math geek Quentin Wilson, who shares an interest in space engineering. Uh, that is as how they describe him, math geek. No other characteristics. <laughs> not well informed, not smart kid. It's math, math geek. geek. Math geek. Um, <laughs> yeah. A kid who, uh, we, who we will later find out has like they don't dwell on it a whole lot, but he's also like in even worse straits than every other kid in town. Yeah. And of all has, the poor people this town, he's somehow also the poorest. Yeah. And, oh no, and he's also like he's also so uh, he's a more aware than any of the others how fucked he is because he's saying like, yeah, I've been to all of the science fairs. They're rigged. I can be the smartest person in the world and I don't have a chance. I, I would say he is the second worst off, at least for that main cast, because we okay, still have Roy, that that Roy Lee. Oh, like, yeah, Roy yeah, Lee. I, mean, I guess we could go over the main cast of uh, of young men here. We have him and then two characters, Roy Lee and Odell, who I will, can never tell the difference between the two because they don't really have a lot because they're both they both are self-defined hillbillies. Um, Background characters. Won't. I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Oh no! They I are... watched this movie three times in the last month, and I still can't tell the difference between the two of them. You could slap an AI-generated face on each of them every single time; it'll be the same experience. I think I, Roy, I can tell Roy... them apart only because Roy Lee has a much worse like. Uh, Roy He's Lee's got, got an abusive, got, got an incredibly abusive drunken stepdad. That is the way I tell them apart, and that is like I think yeah. what we were talking about there with saying that Quentin does not have the worst life of the kids. Because step one, whose dad got microwaved in the mine? I that believe too. that was Odell's. Yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think it was Roy Lee's, because Roy Lee's now got uh, his stepfather, and later on, um, uh, later on, uh, John, the dad, is like, oh yeah, your dad is the best man I ever knew in the mines. Yeah, Either Vernon. Uh, a, a name, such a fucking name to Vernon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this, this movie, this movie really, does like, have it's a one of those bunch of names, like great names. It, it you know, it's I know they uh, on Lions Little by Donkeys recently. I was listening to their bonus episode. It's probably be out by now, and it was uh, they were talking about all the British names and how they they always say that's a name. This movie definitely has the southern version of that, where it's like Homer Hickman, <laughs> Roy Lee, Quentin Wilson, Vernon. Ike Bikosby, and I know that one's Polish, but still, uh, <laughs> but it still made its American way about a Polish the, guy with the name Ike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like if, if you have a normal, you know Polish that migrate and move to 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 West Virginia, you know, like yeah. Whenever you immigrate, based on your name, they send you to different parts of I the can't continental United States. A worse fate than escaping from Soviet occupied Poland to Colwood, West Virginia. Yep. Yeah, just getting sentenced to West Virginia. Um, so They're sending well, you to another a, coal mine. That's a good transition. So uh, they build the first proper proper rocket with the help of Ike Berkowski, and it's like basically just a steel tube. They use a washer as a nozzle, um, and it instantly nearly kills the coal mining executives, which is yep. based. Um <laughs> Could have solved yeah. a lot of problems right there. <laughs> yeah, movie would have had a much different ending. Uh, this this movie would be awesome if it took the turn of uh, he actually weaponizes all of his rockets to do a uh, re- a rebellion against the coal mining companies. Um, <laughs> and then so that that leads in um, 
to his dad finds the rocket and he gives him he, he tells him like you can't do rocketry on company grounds anymore which is like the biggest loophole that that john immediately regrets because homer's just like oh, i'm just gonna like hike 15 miles and build my own rocket site yeah or yeah it, it, eight eight miles i believe oh, okay but yeah, it's that's still 16 miles total like eight miles walking there eight miles back um you know definitely yeah definitely a loophole and uh, uh you know they call it cape colwood which is a great name mm-hmm. i believe the name of it was like something like uh dead snake or something like that and it was like literally just where they dump all the coal they can't use or whatever or like rock all the slag Slags. just all of the uh all the they are sitting on top of a flammable slag hill <laughs> just launching rockets <laughs> launching rockets um sitting on the monuments of sin for that town basically (laughs) yeah uh and i like you know the progression of their rockets are great um especially when they get the help of uh oh my god uh mr bolden well do you mean him or do you mean the moonshiners i mean they don't name the moonshiners but mr bolden uh yeah He's a he's a good he's another great side. This character movie has a bunch of great side characters, and he's the other machinist. Um, and he experiences, I think, their first rocket that nearly hits him, or their first successful one that nearly hits him. Yeah, he almost uh, gets spiked by. <laughs> but he's a, but he's also like he's their first fan, and later yeah. on, more people start showing up. Like his kids drag him out there to watch a rocket launch, and it almost like bisects him. him. Yeah, and I like you know I like the nod to the Red Angels. Um, um slight thing it was the uh tuskegee airmen tuskegee red yeah red angels, angels. Or, i believe or not red angels uh i'm thinking of sorry thinking, i'm just i'm thinking of something from hearts of iron mod which is the problem but yeah t- I, the tuskegee red tails that's what i was thinking of. Red, oh, yeah man. there you go that was yeah. them. also that movie george lucas made everyone forgets about um <laughs> yeah because the movie was horrible it was not a good movie it was it's, it's a shame I mean, they deserve a much better movie um but yeah so that you know that was like a nice little nod because this is still post-war america so most definitely everybody in that town over the age of 30 by that point has pr- probably fought in the war um, or has uh seen the results of people coming back and oh yeah, yeah. he's he's different I, yeah. I do love how whenever mr bolden stands up after he's almost been hit by this rocket he delivers what to me was like a line that i didn't know how to handle it because he said he said like boys it's okay i was in the war and then he immediately follows that up by saying when that rocket flew at me i felt like i was right back in the war and and he is saying this as a good thing. He is saying this as a I, thing that is okay. I I don't know if it was because I see. I thought of it because oh, he flew with the Tuskegee Airmen. And that must have been this huge honor for him. But now you oh, say okay. that, yeah, it's really fucked up. <laughs> he is under. He's kind of like got this weird grin on his face. I mean, oh. you know, trauma does weird things to people. But that's also yeah. that's when they point out too that they need a stronger metal. In order to keep it from, you know, curving all around, uh, which, you know, I don't know anything about the metal they order, but uh, I, I always thought it was good that then they their first solution to f- f- get the money for that metal is stealing. It's just, 
<laughs> just resort to theft. The rail lines won't um, notice. Also, something else I want to address: all the letters to Werner von Braun are have begun throughout the movie too. Oh, they um, started off early, didn't they? They started off early, but like he, like he declares how his first launch was a failure, and uh, another. And then he compares it to Werner von Braun and says, "Yeah, because your rocket also failed." And <laughs> so this is going to be a minor point but we've we've done an episode on this uh homer incorrectly says that Werner von braun's rocket was the vanguard rocket which famously failed and exploded so he's like his first letter accidentally disses the man who's <laughs> kind of like yeah i know you made that other piece of shit meanwhile oh. just like Werner von braun's like find me this west virginia coal miner boy i'm gonna stem straight he <laughs> doesn't ask me what i did during the war yeah. Okay. And that's and that's one thing where like I know we were talking about it before we started. Where like you can definitely tell that the public, even just like the general public's opinion of Werner von Braun was very different in 1999, where he's still this very cool figure and never once is it brought up. Yeah, what he did in the war. Yeah. Where did you, where did you get that rocket experience, my guy? You mean you mean <laughs> to tell you mean to rockets? tell me that in the modern era you wouldn't have wanted Saddam Hussein as a pen pal? <laughs> I might, okay out of curiosity yes would i have idolized him maybe probably not. not no 25 25 75 sue me not to defend anybody who would have supported Werner von Braun at the time but what would have been the general knowledge on what on his very life? little in fairness zero very little they'd have known that he was german but like all of the actual stuff that he did like the actual uh, whenever you start getting into like middle work Dora, um, that definitely came later, or the knowledge of it came later. So I guess he, I guess yeah. you can't really blame it too much. What I think you can blame is that when this movie came out in 1999, they did that know stuff that. Was definitely known. So that's a conscious yeah. decision on the but part if of that, the. But then it's the whole thing. If that was part of Homer Hickman's real life, I guess yeah. you should include it. That um, is fair. <laughs> it's also a part of the. Uh, they were. I mean, when did the Red Scare happen? And uh, they did a very good job of spooling up propaganda and just letting it rip. So do you think anyone in the 90s really went, ah, he's one of our guys. Don't, don't worry about Paperclip. That that didn't happen. Yeah. No. I mean, like, I, I, I really like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things throughout the movie. It's like, uh, boy, does this not sit great uh, anymore? It's it's very. They let it. They let it cook, and it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, I I do like the just this process of them stripping the rails for everything it's worth, um, because that is. I don't know why that's just such like I love their first conclusion is like oh we'll just steal from the company because they abandoned us they don't need it anymore. Um, that's like some then, app it's like some appalachian deep knowledge of just they haven't used this train line in 50 years yeah. fucking rip it up well you know the other thing too is i do love that brief scene like I, I this movie is not a comedy but there's definitely a lot of funny scenes in it such as them watching uh, a train come thinking it's on that line and trying to stop it right it turns uh, off at the last second yeah and then them just continue to mindlessly 
basically strip the rest of the rail until they have enough money to buy the steel they want. Um, so they then solved their whole, you know, uh, burning out the uh, washer they were using issue to then finding a stable fuel cell source, which. Oh, yeah. Moonshine, which is a perfect, perfect solution. The it had to be completely undiluted alcohol. Um, and of course, there was I, I'm pretty sure it was Roy Lee who, who was the one who knew exactly oh, and, where to get. And they got I, absolutely ripped to the gills at that moonshine house. <laughs> we don't see yeah. any of it. We see them walk up and then we like seen like scene snaps tonight. <laughs> and then they are walking out with a guy who's going like, yeah, it's some fucking rocket fuel there, bud. <laughs> oh, my God. I would I'll even drink it. I would buy like rocket fuel brand moonshine. <laughs> Um, oh just to God. have it sit there in the background on the shelf. Yeah, that's like your it's yeah. like your uh your Mark Zuckerberg uh sweet baby Ray is just sitting in the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just rocket fuel moonshine. Um oh, just yeah, you get you gotta drink it fast, it melts through the barrels. <laughs> yeah, I go a little blind just sniffing it sometimes, so be careful. <laughs> Um, so just phases out. One thing I did want to bring up while we were kind of on this subject, I like that the movie literally back to back. Um, I like that it gives, and this is just like probably close to the true story because this is what uh, Homer Hickam wrote. But like, I like that it gives Roy Lee and Odell stuff to do because you definitely get the sense at the start that it's going to be like Quentin is the brains, Homer is the hero, and then you have these backup characters. But through through the story, like everybody does wind up learning a shitload like Roy Lee yeah, and Odell. They all wind up being all, equal all four partners. of them become very much, very successful men in their own right. Yeah. Um, you know, in all in different fields, but like we could talk about that more towards the end, but yeah, it's not like they make it seem like Homer or Quentin were more important. Like they all had a, a important contribution. And I do love this scene like early on when they're debating the whole rocket thing when I think it's Roy Lee is shooting at his own car because how much of a piece of shit it is. <laughs> that and is the energy my... I aspire to with my own. And living boss. in an area that has many an abandoned car in the woods, this now explains where all those abandoned cars and how they get there with so many gunshots yeah. in them. Um, but that does, you, you do make a good point. That does have the scene where they're arguing like, hey, I don't want to, Homer's saying like, I don't want to be here and just like be a hillbilly the rest of my life. And Doyle and Odell are just like, guess fucking what you are, bud. And they're just letting rip into the car with a twenty-two. Yeah, and you know, there. I think it's like the whole thing of like, quit. You said uh, quit realizing how much how fucked he is because yeah. there. I imagine there's a certain degree to being like as I would say smart because they're all like I said smart men in their own right, but as educated and read up as he is and then to realize that there's nothing beyond this town he's gonna do um that like that they're like uh you know they're my mother was talking about hillbilly elegy and mentioned the fact that there is kind of just the horror of working in towns like this where they're just kind of trapped there with very little prospects because Um, there's there's no the town is getting better it's the town is either staying okay or it's it's going downhill yeah it's being like it's literally being stripped for everything it's worth um like the best by the company that owns everything in it Mm -hmm. the best Um, you can hope for is stagnation and 
what's actually happening. Like they describe in the town, like it's falling apart. The mine's losing money. It's going to be gone in five years. Yep. The like, there's a big backdrop of strikes and layoffs all throughout the movie for the mines themselves and disasters being pushed by high quotas. Um, mm-hmm. Also, another character we should talk about because it's kind of hard to just like go is uh, their teacher, uh, Miss Riley. Um, I thought she was she was a very interesting character in the fact that uh, she clearly was one of the few people in the education system in this town that believed that these boys could actually be worth a damn. Still um, hopeful. This, things, this is one of those things that uh, I would be interested to see how much truth there is to that in the book because I do I do want to get this book and read it. Um, and her the scene with her that really sticks out is the principal talking to her and telling her she should not give these boys hope <laughs> because they are meant to be coal miners and like one of them gets to go to college on a on a scholarship on a football scholarship like one once a year but the rest of them are all going to be coal miners yeah so you're you're giving mm-hmm. them false hope yeah how yeah, dare you which is just such a leave. hopeless existence yeah well and it got me thinking it's like you know he's employed by that town's board which is probably employed by the coal mining company so his only motivation is to make sure everyone's just educated enough to work in those mines right oh absolutely they it, just have to pass the uh, the regulatory you are now educated. Get into the mine. There is no escape from the orphan crushing machine. <laughs> get, uh, get the black lung factory. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I do like, and this is something that will come up later, but I do like that anytime anyone, anytime a, like the coal mining is depicted positively for even like a minute or 30 seconds, like um, someone starts I, dying next someone to Someone coughs. Someone coughs once and then the scene instantly turns somber and it's just like, yeah, this could be rewarding work. And then instantly it's just like, oh, right. This work will murder you. Yes. Um, <laughs> Every one of these boys. Yeah. Like I, I know no we one's living about past 50. No, it's if anybody lives to 60, <laughs> they're very old. Um, yeah. I mean, this, and there is this just overall crushing feeling. And, you know, of course, because of this is a movie like we get our blows to these guys back to back and it's like finally after they get their first rocket successful they have the whole town gather or at least their school gather to watch them they expecting them to fail um which you know is great in itself um and then it works and everybody's impressed with them uh one thing i instantly become I was just going to say, like, they instantly become the coolest people in school whenever this one rocket flies and everyone sees it. Yeah, just be like, who are the weirdos now? <laughs> um, I, I do have to say, I just, I love the fact that, that their first thought is, well, if this fails, we're going to be social pariahs. Um, that is a very high school attitude. It's good to see high school has not changed in over, um, you know, was it 60, 80 years? Yeah, um, the the other kind of great little scene that comes up after that is just is just kind of there or before that actually was their little montage of all the times the ro- rocket blew up before they figured out the fuel. Um, 
because like I said, it was one of those things that was funny. This isn't a funny movie, but they allow for there to be funny movie uh, moments. Of course, then comes to the part where they're blamed for a forest fire many miles away. And uh, this is, and then they get arrested because uh, they yeah. quote unquote found a rocket there, which I kind of got running, wondering to myself. How would the first conclusion of the fire department, unless they are basically told so, be, oh, rocket. Clearly the thing we found is a rocket. Like, yeah, the, these guys, like, what the fuck's a rocket? And then they, yeah. they say, oh, we found it in the newspaper of a different town that we, I don't know, read? Or, yeah. yeah so, mm-hmm. so they, Again, if that really happened, to me, my guess is they were told to blame it on the rockets. Or just like... Um, or, or if Homer had just said, can I see the rocket? Can I confirm that this, whether or not this is my rocket? Is this my yeah. device? Um, again, one of those things I will look forward to clarifying in that book. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it is a, so that they're, they're banned from making rockets. Um, they quickly instead turn to just going back to looking for girls. Um, which leads to the most perfect example of like, adolescence which is just them awkwardly sitting in the back of a car both of their hands the, the uh homer and this girl who i forget the name of her character um is it the one that he winds up with because i think that's valentine it's the one he winds up with that he's in yeah. the car with i think her name is um, valentine yeah and i just love the absolute moment of so did you see that movie uh frankenstein meets the wolfman oh uh, and that's a because that's movie. something i would do but yeah, go ahead. No, that is absolutely Chekhov's movie because that's what uh during the Sputnik watch party, that's what his friend references. Well, yeah, that's he's he's following Roy Lee's script for getting girls. Yeah, you he's, talk about the movie, uh, he'd go. Right. How to get girls good and do other stuff good too. Which I I, I love scenes like that because <laughs> these are all guys who are equally terrible at talking to girls at this age who listen to the one friend who they know does just as well as the rest of them. But is good at lying enough. Has the but confidence. Enough yeah, has, confidence to lie and just make has it has the misplaced confidence now, um, to lie to them and make them all think he is actually this great skilled f- flirt. Uh and then and it course, is it is just about to work. Audience, you need to understand yeah. how guaranteed 99.99% of the way there, and then yeah. fate snatches it out of his hands. Yeah. On the cusp. Uh, his, his dad has been lobotomized by an elevator cable. <laughs> yeah, his dad um, got brained by an inch of... Ike Berkowski, who decided to work in the mines because it paid better, uh, was also killed. Um, and, which, oh. Yeah. Uh, this then leads to Homer to decide to... Because, you know, his brother has the mighty prospects of playing football and probably getting uh, CTE that uh, he decides <laughs> to work in the mine... But remember, it's not black long. Right. Yeah, you know, if you if you love your brother, yeah, you'll never deny them the opportunity to get CTE. It's just that's how (laughs) that's how men worked back then, you know. I I like to think that everybody had to Homer's thinking, I I know how you're gonna go and I'm gonna make sure you get CTE, so I'm gonna work (laughs) that by just the long term revenge plan. See, I, I imagine that same thing, except it's viewed through a positive thing. It's like Brother, I'm gonna keep you alive long enough for you to die of CTE. 
I, like you, every, everybody in this family is going to die a black lung. You're going to die of something greater. You're going to die of something that rich people die of. Good Americans go into the brain jiggler. Well, like, football players didn't it. make that much money back then. So it's like, oh, you're no. gonna, like live a middle class life slightly better than the one we do right now. And you're going to die of CT at a 48. Um, congrats. <laughs> I was going to do the bit where um, we were talking about uh, I forget what it was that we, we, we had mentioned like age uh, and then we were talking about the dad I'm like yeah you know he, he he's uh, at the ripe old age of 27 <laughs> right, prematurely like, like, aged they, these are like people who were teen parents and uh, mine has just done this I, I swear they try they make uh, Jake Gyllenhaal look older when he starts working in the mines um, and it is great. Like, you know, I, uh, you guys talked about the scene earlier, but he looks like for his first time going down in the mine, he looks up at the sky one last time caged in this stupid elevator. Um, this also leads into one of the best transition scenes ever, which is a scene where a train's crossing over the bridge and they use that to show the shift from winter to fall uh, to spring. Um, it's a great little transition. It's like a blink if you miss it type deal too. Right. Um, and eventually his dad gets back in the mine. He stays in the mine. Um, and then they make the realization that uh, it wasn't their rocket. And uh, they actually go look for the rocket, find it, and discover what rocket that did it was actually an AV, a uh, what is a it? signal rocket. Like a flare. Signal rocket. A flare from an And airplane. how quickly the, pre- the uh, principal just goes, yeah, no, it wasn't them. This is an Air Force deal. Yeah, but then yeah, this is our military. It's okay if they kill us. But then he, but then he also, the principal also turns around and immediately, like r- before the boys have even decided to go back and do rocketry, the principal has recruited them and saying like he's driving them back to school and he's like, well, if you're gonna represent this school, here's what you're gonna need to do. And it's like, dude, you got these kids expelled. Fuck. So he, he got he got, have- he got at least Homer to drop out of school. That can at least yeah, no, be he half made Homer ex- work in the coal mines. He's probably doomed Homer, Homer with some sort of long-term disability for the rest of his life. Although I guess Homer's <laughs> still alive, so. Yeah. But remember, he can still manipulate the angle of if I can get a science award out of these kids, I might be able to get more funding. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking of when I'm gonna parasite my way out of this town. I'm gonna teach it that at was that that Sherwood town. Um <laughs> And of course, this Welsh? is also the same time they're Welsh, Welsh, the town of Welsh. This is also when they reveal that the teacher uh, uh, had uh, Hodgkins. Hodgkins, yeah, which that's terrible. Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like we also kind of missed it, but whenever they get nah. going back a little bit, whenever they um, get arrested uh, by, for supposedly burning down the fire, they uh, like their dads come and pick them up. Roy Lee gets like beaten in the middle of the street by Vernon. Yeah. Uh, and then like John kicks his ass. And then late, later on, Vernon comes back and tries to kill John. During the fires, fires into their house. <laughs> and you and know, I, like, was... I like John's reaction is that bastard's too drunk to kill me. <laughs> like he's more bad that he missed than that he tried yeah, to kill he... him. <laughs> Like, like oh, yes. you're killing like a man. But then, he but was... then he immediately turns it in. He like, as they're talking about that, John immediately just goes like, 
what the fuck do you care, Homer? You're you're going off and doing rockets. He immediately just turns this into you're going a, to Indianapolis. Homer. You're it's, being all fancy going to Indianapolis. Like Homer God, really he, is the hate sink for this family sometimes, yes. specifically for the dad. There's just so like many wow, dark was... moments of this family. Like the when he get well, like when he's rushing the mine, he stops at home, and the mother goes, "I don't care if he dies. I don't care. No, yeah, I won't." <laughs> she's just like, "Shell." Yeah, I won't shed a tear. <laughs> <laughs> just like jesus christ lady at least like pretend you're sad she's, yeah she's made her peace with it i thought i thought that was a really good uh little point of the- like everybody has already sort of made their peace with like going into the mines and dying I, I, I also like what john's I, I like what john says to Vern. If that boy has a scar or that boy has a bruise you'll have a scar if he has a limp you'll have crutches oh yeah i think that was that that was his best scene right there at least because it, it's a good kind of like because he's he might he's be mad. a shit dad but he's not bad like enough it, to eat yeah. his kids like because yeah, like he, 10 he, seconds before he's shouting at homer and then he goes over and protects roy lee so it's it's like yeah we were talking about he's he's a guy he's not like uh you know, what is it like to the protagonist he's a bastard we assume his relationship with the elder son is better and then the at other, least the other son can play <laughs> football god damn it well, because he can understand the father's challenge very much is he can understand it's things he can understand. He can understand mining, he can understand football. He has no clue what to think about. He can under- I think he uh he he says it in the mind. He also understands men. So yeah. he, he has his own self-inside. I understand <laughs> every corner of them. <laughs> But then, but the, yeah, and he's talking to his son, and he's like, "You know why these guys respect me? Because I know more than them." And at the same time, he's like, "No, you can't go get an education, you fucking moron. Go to college. What are you, some sort of idiot?" Oh, uh, just yeah. It's very much like he's a man who understands things, and I think it's somewhat he has his world of things that he doesn't understand. Um. He ve- he's he's very much a man that has his I, and also I love I I'm a big fan of characters learning skills and I like they establish Homer's bad at math at the beginning and that right. through math he gets better at it and that's how he finds the missing rocket. Um, I dropped majors because I didn't like math so better than I did. Um, I I pushed through the math classes because I had the promise of like they gave me my course trees and I saw there were really exciting classes later on. So I pushed through the boring stuff. I got to those really exciting sounding classes and some of them were the worst classes I've ever taken. Oh, same, same here. I like movies better. I had a professor who made spacecraft design into the worst class I've ever taken. I I I had the I, I never had anything though, like that. I was the only <laughs> film major who had like Calc 2 on his uh, who had to take Calc 2. Find still... a way to use that. Integrate that. There's There's got to be a yeah, way. I will. Um, oh my god, what was I talking about? Um, oh yeah. The, so they finally get back to shooting off the rockets. They go in the science fair. They win the first one and then they have to go. They can only send one to Indianapolis. The town can't afford to send more than one boy. Um, to Indianapolis, which boy, I have to say, I'm a, I'm glad in my life I've never thought, thank God I get to go to Indianapolis. <laughs> um, well, it's all a relative thing because, like, yeah. when he goes, his big city moment is, yeah, Indianapolis. Also, <laughs> uh, like- sorry, sorry for jumping ahead in this, but I do have to say, the crowning moment is going to 
you know, the big town. What happens in the big town? All of your stuff gets stolen. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. But by the uh, by, the nerds running this uh, the rake science fair. That's also great. That it's like, and then the whole town helps out too because they like they all care. I like he's having those moments of all the people talking about like, yeah, you hear about that amazing rocket uh, boy, those rocket boys and their amazing display. Um, oh, it's a movie theater. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like how he makes a big deal. They like even stole my picture of Werner Von Braun. Um, like that's very much uh, you thought you could come to my science fair and take my title. Some real like, petty energy happening. At, at the same time, I, I was thinking about that scene and I was surprised they really didn't do, I don't know, maybe, maybe it just wasn't as important, but they really didn't do a whole lot with that scene. Like you see him walk back to find that everything is gone and then immediately he is on the phone organizing, getting more gear with everybody. It's yeah. just, it's well, just taken his I, red. I mean, it's like, I think oh, that's more gone. about shifting the views of his father where his father right. finally helps out because he's pointed out the thing where to his father it's like you know you go to any one of my brother's uh football games you always have time for that but you never have time right. for one of my rocket launches um, also uh his mom does come in clutch for the yeah. same purpose so like she's she was kind of i would honestly say portrayed as very passive for like the first three quarters yeah then just her walking into that office absolutely <laughs> Which, I mean, on the one hand, like, so so correct me if I'm wrong here, the thing that allows Mr. Bolden to make them another nozzle is John agreeing to all of the striking workers' demands. I'm so pretty that, sure that's what happens, yeah. So they, yeah. yeah, that is. It, he's in Which, the... Uh... I love my son so much, I'm going to work with the fucking union. Um, <laughs> also... On the other hand, I feel like, and, and this isn't to say like, yeah, great, awesome, the union won. Hell yeah, that should be how they all go, all those negotiations. But also like, I'm sure if you had just talked to both sides, they would just say like, yeah, it's not, it's not fucking uh, breaking the strike line for Mr. Bolden to go in there and make the rocket kid a rocket. You know, yeah. like everybody on any side should have just been like, yeah, why not? It's like 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But still, but, it's still good. It shows the dad is like coming around and supporting him. Yeah. Um, and then you know they win, and I love that he shakes. You hear the one German guy say "good job," and of course you go, "Oh, that's supposed to be Werner von Braun." That like instantly, that's where I went. And like someone tells him, "You shook Werner von Braun's hand and didn't even realize it." What did he say? He looks around and he's just gone. Yeah. Um, which I do like the idea that Werner von Braun was just going around a bunch of science fairs to check out who was working on the rockets, doing some scouting. <laughs> oh, he's just okay. doing his own little micro paperclip. <laughs> just yeah. like, if you're especially promising, you are just abducted to NASA. <laughs> no, he, he's going around trying to find this upstart from West Virginia that called his <laughs> rocket shit. Just to, you know, put <laughs> it in his shit. He, he, shakes, he? he shakes his hand, but he does that thing where he just squeezes like really hard, and he's just like, "Good job, kid." <laughs> gonna remember you. Um, I've got a face of the name of the NSA. It's gonna be Gen Active. Uh, <laughs> and and immediately after that, or at that in that exact same scene, as he is walking kind of down the aisle after he gets the prize. He also has like every single school is just like, hey, come here, MIT, Caltech. They're all oh, just yeah, like they're all... shoving. They're all shoving business cards into his pocket. Oh yeah, it's the best time to solicit a college student during his moment of triumph. 
I mean, I think that, but at the same time, that is kind of what everybody is there for. All of those oh, students yeah. are like, I'm going to get to go to college. I'm going to get a, you know. It was scouting for science. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I really feel like yeah. we need to address where rocket science was at this point in the war world. A kid making a rocket by himself in the mountains through brute force would be impressive enough that I'm sure like every college is like, yeah, we want to have that guy because we want a NASA alum. Um, I don't know. Because like colleges definitely think about who they want as their alumni. Like they're like, oh, that kid has the potential to be a NASA alum. Grab him. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting thing. I have never really thought about either is like the. The, the, the sales prospect of those people that are like recruiting kids into colleges of like, yeah, I, I got us this guy, you know, it's like, it's the used car salesman energy across the board. Yeah. Um, so this then leads to the ending and it kind of feels like this is a big triumph ending, but it's just, the ending is just them shooting off their final rocket. The dad, Miss Riley. Goes up. Oh, okay. Oh. That, that scene did make me a little sad. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, 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 she's in hot, like she's basically. I don't know if she's in hospice at that point, or but it's I think it's got to be like she's on her deathbed, she's got Hodgkin's lymphoma, yeah. And then the whole town watches this, their final rocket shoot miles and miles into the sky. She's watching from the bed, the father's the one who hits the button that sends in the space. Um, and then it cuts to one of the shuttle launches um, and uh, then does the whole little redown what happened to all these guys. And uh, it was a good it's a good movie. I, I will end it on there. It was a really good movie. I can agree with that. Uh, I think it was pretty yeah. good. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you guys have anything you guys want to bring up that I might miss during that or any final thoughts? Um. Okay, so there there is one thing I wanted to bring up earlier, but uh, from my notes, I loved that. I think the movie did a very good job of, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, showing the dynamic between technicians and engineers. Because all the, the Rocket Boys, all the four of them, they're basically engineers. They're very idealistic. They've got their dreams in their head of how things are going to go. And then at various points in the movie, they meet like, actual technicians and technologists and machinists who tell them like no that's fucking stupid here's the common sense thing you're missing like yeah uh ike bykovsky tells them no you need a washer that's you need to weld that on and then later on uh mr bolden is like yeah of course it's exploding you're using like tin foil you got to get some of this and he rattles off the exact like uh sa 1620 yeah like the exact type of steel one guy who knows how to do his job incredibly well. And that's to me, one of the great things about like re- reading and listening to things about the early Apollo program is all those guys on those missions and the astronauts to the guys who worked on them, they were good at one thing and they did that one thing incredibly well. Yep. Also um, uh, speaking back to Apollo, you have the same thing for the construction of the craft. You, if I'm not saying you cannot functionally create a working saturn 5 from blueprint alone there's just so much bespoke product that was put into that launch platform that it just spiraled so far to where the blueprints are merely suggestions and and you do make a very good point there with um all of the different 
people involved in these projects being very highly specialized and having to, you know, work together um, to build this kind of cohesive product. Like as much as, as much as I've said it, or we've said it in our show, like rocket scientist isn't really a thing. It's like you, you wind up, every team is going to have like a shitload of every kind of different engineer, machinist, technologist, technician, uh, like scientist, manager, um, and, I mean, and to kind of circle back, I think the movie does a very good job of kind of showing how one of those teams in a microcosm might work. Because throughout all of this, the, uh, the Rocket Boys get help from their entire town. And it all hmm. does kind of like, maybe I'm reaching, but to me, it seemed like the entire town kind of forms like almost a little engineering firm. Because they're getting help from all these different disciplines. very small. It's, it's Cape Holwood, like their own little NASA. Um, yeah. And they, they've got like choice. their their teacher is helping them make these connections and like get them into the science fair and like which you know it's and also like I like that with Quentin they're following the thing that like this has rules like there is like yes there's a simple concept of like you know fire and fuel allows lift but there are rules to how it has to be done uh when they get to the whole you know alcohol uh fuel thing. You need to have a completely continuous like, binder with no air yeah. bubbles in it whatsoever. Well, and I, that's another thing about science. And I think as unfortunately, like people are in, in certain industries are exploring sciences more and more on their own. There's some lost prospect into the fact that there's very defined rules. I mean, this will be a very dated reference probably by the time this episode releases, but with the uh, Titanic submersible disaster, they did not fi- f- follow a specific rule on how to use materials, and it backfired <laughs> on them. And horribly. like it, they could have used a Mister Bolton. I think I'm, yeah. I'm glad we can agree. Well, on apparently that. everybody had been telling them, like, "Hey, you shouldn't do this. These two, you and, can't do two different materials at that crush depth because you'll be crushed." And that's the thing. Like you had vessels like the DSV Alvin and I'm pretty sure there are two or three others in the same class that made, and in the Alvin's case, at least 5,000 dives to that depth. Whereas what did our lucky vessel get down to Four successful, maybe? Yeah. Like there, honestly, there, there's, there's a proven body of work that was just spat in the face of. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I know I'm, Cameron I'm, got to the bottom of the Mariana's trench in his, and I, that's, I have no clue how deep that is. I phenomenally. At that kind of depth, you so weird link to my weird my life, or at least the past life. Uh, I used to work in water jet manufacturing. So imagine just a stream of water punching through a quarter inch of super hardened alloy. That is yeah. the pressure of a water jet. Like if a point of that vessel had failed, you would have seen a 97,000 psi jet just screaming <laughs> through that capsule. What, if it didn't evaporate what's, entirely what's the saying uh, at that point you know you're no longer biology you're physics <laughs> i <laughs> well <laughs> uh that is correct uh the only good thing about that entire wreck is that uh they wouldn't have been able to physically experience anything they simply would have been yeah. thanos snapped out of reality yeah um yeah I, Sorry I, I do, for going a bit macabre, but I, I do have to say yeah. on the back, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, based on true story movies to have the little where they end up text things. Um, yeah, real and I, I did really just enjoy the fact that they did the whole. Uh, it was like, oh yeah, 
they didn't just do where did Homer Hickman go? They said like his mother got to retire by the beach. Uh, the father unfortunately died black of black lung. lung in 76, I think. He, yeah, he uh, walked into the black lung machine. <laughs> the uh, you know, one of the boys went on to become a car salesman and uh, investment guy, insurance I think that agent. Was, that was Odell, I guess, either o- Odell or Roy Lee. I think Quentin became a chemical engineer in the oil business. Uh, yeah, Quentin was a Cheggy in the oil industry. And then I believe one of them went on to be a massive rancher. Holy shit, that was a close lightning strike. <laughs> um, uh, Uh-oh. Okay. Judging um, by how the skies were looking <laughs> at my place, I think I might be next up. Yeah, I feel like you might be getting uh, the storms that I got like an hour ago. Oh, I'm uh, over in CT, so I'm fully expecting to get uh, annihilated. Uh, I'm in a different country than you all, so I think just the entire U.S., uh, you know, U.S., Canada is just getting pummeled by storms right now. From what it looks Oh, yet. no, there, there have been thunderstorms in my forecast for like the last seven um, days, and I haven't seen anything, so I'm just waiting. Where can everybody find you guys at so they can check out your awesome show? Uh, we don't really have much of a social media presence, but if you look up uh, "Failure to Launch" podcast, you can find us on uh, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, basically anywhere. Um, and if we and if we're not on the podcast service that you normally use, message us, and you can find it, and we'll be sure to post that for you. Uh, otherwise, we also have a YouTube channel that we are uh, like you with this show. We're looking to get that back up and going. Uh, working through our frankly massive uh video backlog but uh yeah um well thanks for joining us on here on the outliers and uh to anybody does check out the podcast i recommend starting it might be your first episode but the rocket mail rocket mail is such an amazing just amazing concept that's a fun one yeah and oh, yeah thank you, thank you for having us yeah, yeah no it's awesome to have some uh, some guests on especially with uh, you guys definitely brought a very different energy to the podcast and i, <laughs> I appreciate that i hope that's a good thing you, and again um I, I don't know how long in it would have been you might want to go back through it because we did hijack it for a bit and we did threaten to derail it and poison this episode by talking about like the space equivalent of nan king so oh, see i i don't do i would not mind if but you, i will if you so, rid of that the first time i listened to the episodes after my edit editor's gone through it herself so if, i i will be very interested to hear that uh if she could wipe right. that out of existence that would be greatly appreciated uh, in uh, fairness we didn't the- actually talk about anything we just talked about all of the ways we could poison the episode <laughs> thanks for joining us on here guys It's been great. Thank you for having us. It's been wonderful.